Come on, if you think of being able to go back to God time after time after time after time after time. Thank God that he loves us so much that we come back time after time after time. And he yet still receives us with open arms. Come on, put those hands together and give God praise and thanks for that. Hallelujah. God is good. God is good. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Amen. Good morning, Hopewell. Amen. What a wonderful day it is to be in the house of God. One more time. Amen. Amen. Many didn't make it, but we were one of the ones that did. So that's enough to give God praise. Amen. And glory for. Amen. If you have, we're going to go straight into the word of God. If you have your Bibles, uh, turn with me to 2 Chronicles chapter 7. 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. And as you're looking for that, 2 Chronicles chapter 7, uh, verse 14. As you're looking for the scripture, uh, of God, just one, two things that we want to be mindful in. Uh, please, 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 please. Uh, whatever it is that the ushers ask you to do, whether they're asking you to sit a certain spot, please obey and listen to our ushers. Amen. Amen. They're giving you, they're telling you to do certain things that, uh, of things that I've told them that I wanted them to do. So please, if you want to get mad at anybody or turn your nose up at anybody, do that to me, but don't do that to the ushers. Amen. They're only doing what I asked them um, to do. So please, and if they have certain sections blocked off, there's a reason why they have those sections blocked off. So please don't go and took your little hand and move that black rope. Amen. Allow them to be able to do that. Amen. Amen. Just a, one thing that we want to bring to your attention. Second uh, Chronicles chapter 7. Now I'll be reading from the Amplified Bible and it says this. If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves, pray, seek, crave, and require of necessity my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. Let's read that all together, no matter what version of the Bible that you have, on the count of three. One, two, three. If my And we'll heal that land. Father God, we come before you right now. God, we love you. We love you just for being who you are, God. We magnify you. We exalt, we exalt you, Lord God, for there is nobody like you, God. We can search all over, Father God, and never be able to find anyone like you, Lord God, that can love us like you do, that can be faithful to us as you are, Lord God, who could just be who they are like you. We would never be able to find anyone like that, Father God. And so, Lord God, we come asking and praying right now that you breathe on this word on tonight, that you breathe on this word on this morning, Father God. Have your way in this place. Let your will be done, oh God. Let someone ask, what must I do to be saved? And we ask all these things in your name. We pray, and all of God's people said, amen. amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Amen. The past week we have been looking um, at Second Chronicles chapter 7 um, verse 14. Last week we looked at how we looked at the beginning of how God wants to send a revival in our land, how God wants to turn some things around, how God wants to renew us, how God wants to refresh us. Um, but just as God has already, uh, just as God has his request, or just as we have our requests before God on what we, of what we want him to do, God has his request as well, amen, of what he needs us to do so that we can be able to really uh, receive and experience true revival. 
once again, revival is not having a five-night five service, having a, a guest evangelist come in, raise a big offering, prophesy to you, and tell you all these different things to get you all caught up emotionally, to get you, to get you all excited, have you running, you know, running all over the church, jumping from chandelier to chandelier, hopping over the pews, under the pews, around the pews, knocking out windows and all those different things, but yet to still leave the house of God and still not be changed. To do all those things and yet leave the house of God and not be transformed. To leave the house of God and still not be delivered. God wants, to, wants us to experience true revival. But he gives us, as he shows here in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, what our obligations are to do if we want to see true revival come in the house of God. If we want to see true revival happen amongst the saints of God. And so we looked at last Sunday, we looked at pride, how the Bible how he tells us, listen, if... If my, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, God is looking for some people who will humble themselves and not be prideful and say, God, I need your help. God, I'm jacked up. I'm messed up. I need revival. I need to be renewed. I need, I need to be refreshed. And you're the only one that can be able to do it. God is looking for some people who will put pride to the side, who will put arrogance to the side, put all these different things to the side so that we can be able to experience true revival in the land. We looked at how in the book of Chronicles, how <coughs> I have to excuse me, I'm battling with allergies. We're going to move forward, amen? Amen. We make no excuses. I know the saints out there praying for me, right? Amen. amen. All right, so we'd be good to go. And so we started looking at how in the book of, uh, of Chronicles, how God was looking. He was looking for some king who would stand up and take their rightful place. He was looking for a king. He was looking for somebody who would stand up for, and call the spade a spade and call a dog a dog and call a cat cat and to stand against the sins and all the different things that was going on because the people were so wicked. They were, they, they were, they were, they were, upset. They were worshiping idols and just doing all that they wanted to do. And the kings were falling right into it as well. And so we looked at Solomon on last Sunday and how Solomon dealt with pride. Solomon dealt with pride. He dealt with pride because God's hand was upon his life to finish the work that his father David had accomplished and had started doing. But Solomon allowed pride to get in the way. God told him not to mess with the foreign people, not to mingle with the foreign women. But what did Solomon do? He mingled with the foreign women. God gave him a strict commandment and told him, if you, if you mingle with them, they will turn your hearts towards their God. And it just is what God said. That's exactly what happened. Saints of God, God may sometimes give us a commandment that we may not understand it then. But it's a reason why he has given us a certain instructions. It's a reason why he has given us certain commandments. And it is our job and our duty to be obedient to what God has said. And so, again, we talked about pride, how pride needs to get out of the way. Pride says you can't tell me nothing. Pride says I know everything. Pride says I don't need any help. I'm doing just fine. I'm doing just fine, but pride will leave you jacked up. And not to experience the revival that God wants to do in your life because you allow yourself to make yourself think that you don't need any help when you really do. And so Tuesday night, we look at the second part of the enemy of revival, and that's prayerlessness. Let's tell somebody, say prayerlessness. 
Prayerlessness is an enemy of revival. God told them, not only do you need to humble yourself, but you need to pray. You need to pray. Not just call upon me when you need help. Not just call upon me when you need a bill paid. Not just to call upon me when you want me to uh, bring you out of something. Because that's what that was the problem of the people of Israel. They continued to fall into sin. And when they would get into sin and be, under the, and be, under, and be in captivity, they would cry out to God and ask God to deliver them, and God would deliver them. But they would go right back into the same thing all over again. And they would cry out to God again and say, God, deliver us, and God would deliver them. But they would go right back. They prayed to God, but they had the wrong motives. They had the wrong mindset because they already had made up in, my, in their mind that once God delivers me, I'm going right back into what I was in before. Some of us are like that today. We pray, oh, we bargain with God. God, if you bring me out of this, oh, I'm going to be at church on time for the rest of my Holy Ghost-filled life. <laughs> oh, God, if you bring me out again, I'm going to tie. I'm, gonna, I'm not just going to do 10%, but I'm doing 20%, God, because I'm, I'm going to double for my trouble. You, you, all this different stuff that we do, all this bargaining with God, but as soon as God brings us out, we go right back into what we were in before, and it's a slap in God's face. How dare you come and ask me to deliver you, but you go right back in it. Right back in it. Over and over again. And we abuse and misuse God's grace and his mercy. But God got to the place and said, listen, you know what? I'm tired of it. I'm going to turn you over into the hands of the enemy. It's a sad case and it's a dangerous case when God takes his hand off of your life because you choose to be disobedient against God. The Bible says over in the Chronicles that he was looking for somebody, Elder Robinson, that he could show himself strong through. He was looking for somebody who will humble them enough, who will humble themselves before him and say, listen, God, I may not know what you're doing, but I submit myself to you, God. I trust you. I may not know where you're going to take me, God, but I trust you. I may not know everything that I need to know, God, but I trust you. And it got to the place that he had to use an eight-year-old boy by the name of Josiah that could be able to get the job done. So today, the third part of the enemy of revival, it says, if my people which are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. Today, we're going to talk about misplaced priorities. Misplaced priorities. Well, you say, preacher, what's a priority? And a priority is something that you put, you label in importance. One, two, three. You know, you get up in the morning, the first thing, okay. You know, first thing should be when you get out of the bed, we pray. All right. But the first thing that we do when we get, when we get out of the bed, we try to go to the bathroom, brush your teeth, get in the shower, get dressed because we're running late for work because we overslept. And so a priority <coughs> is something that you have of importance in your life. God's people are to seek his face. The word seek means to search out by any method. And for us as believers, it's especially done by worship and through prayer. The word face refers to the countenance, to turn towards his direction. To turn towards his direction, God was trying to get the children of Israel to understand, not only do I want you to humble yourself, not only do I want you to pray, but I want you to seek my face. I want you to turn towards my direction so that you can be able to get the instructions that I want to give you. I want you to turn, turn, turn towards my face so that you can be able to see my face. I want you to turn towards my direction. 
The people of Israel, the one thing that they, they, they struggled with was their priorities. Everything under the sun became more important than God. Worshiping other idols, worshiping other gods became more important than worshiping their God. Engaging in other acts rather than praying became more more important. Doing other stuff besides worshiping became more important. Their priorities were messed up. They were not in the right place. They put everything above God and never put God in his proper place. So it's the same thing with us today as people of God is that we have misplaced priorities in our lives. We look for help and purpose in everything in life but God. We look for help and for purpose and for assistance from everything else but from God. People even have the audacity to put other folks in place of God in their lives. Turn me up a little bit, Warren. Turn me up just, just a little bit. Let me say that again. People have the audacity to put other folks in the place of God and to show them more knowledge. Some people, listen, it, it, it irks me. And I know people do it out of respect. But don't show the preacher more respect than you do God. Don't show the good Reverend Doctor more respect than you do God. If you don't want to curse in front of me, don't curse in front. Don't curse at all because God sees all. He knows all. If you don't want to turn up your bottle in front of me, don't do it at all. I don't want to talk today. It's all right. Because God sees everything. I understand you want to show respect to the man or the woman of God, but don't show more respect to them than you do God. Because when you do that, your priorities are jacked up, your priorities are messed up, and they're not in the right place. And you make yourself not a candidate for revival to happen in your life because you don't have God front and center in your life. People put their jobs before God. People put church before God. <laughs> People put church before God. They, they stay busy. They want to be busy doing stuff in the church, and there's nothing wrong with that. But you can be busy doing stuff in the church and still lift up your eyes in hell because you don't have a personal relationship with God. Our priorities have to come in line so that we can be able to see revival take place in our lives. We must seek the face of God. And when we seek the face of God, we're not just seeking his face just to get things, Elder Robinson, but we're seeking his face just to cry out to God for who he is. I'm not just seeking his face so that he can give me material things, so that he can give me a, a give somebody a wife, give somebody a husband, give him a car, give him a house, give him shoes. All those things are great and fine and have their place. But at the end of the day, if you don't have a house, if you don't have a husband, if you don't have a car, but if you have Jesus, you can start all over again in your life. People want the preacher to prophesy cars and homes and spouses and all these different things. No, I just can't just I just can't prophesy natural things to you. But I need to tell you, your life is jacked up and you need to get right with God. 
Because then those things can be able to happen in your life when you get yourself in a right relationship with God. That's what God was trying to get the kings to understand. I'm just looking for somebody who will have an intimate relationship with me. Oh, I'm looking for somebody who would just wake up and I'm the first thought on their mind and they just wake up and just tell me how much they love me. Just wake up and just tell me how much they appreciate me. They're not always coming to me for things, but they're coming to me just to tell me how thankful they are for me to be in their life. How thankful they are for all that I've done in their life. He's looking for a relationship with his children. He's looking for somebody to hunger more for him. He's looking for somebody who will thirst after him. All God was trying to get the kings to understand. He said, I want somebody to fall fall in love with me all over again. Oh, I want somebody just to fall in love with me all over again. I want somebody not to love me out of obligation, but love me because of who I am. Not just love me for what I can give them, but love me for who I am. God is looking for true, authentic relationship, intimate relationship with his people. Because there's some things that God wants to tell you. There's some things that God wants to show you. There's some things God wants to share with you. But he has to get you in the right mindset. He has to get you in the right time, in the right relationship, in the right intimate moment that he can be able to share some stuff with you that will blow your mind. Share some vision. Share some purpose for your life. But he wants to get close to you. He wants to get close. And the thing I love about it so much, saints of God, is that we so messed up and so jacked up and got all these issues, but he still desires to get close with us. Oh, listen, some of us, we may smell funny. We may not look right how we should. We, you know, we might look a certain way. We might look funny. We may not be, too, might not be tall enough. We may be too short. But he still desires to have an intimate relationship with us. He desires that we come close to him. People are seeking out revival, but they're not seeking God. They're seeking out renewal, they're seeking out refreshing, but they're not seeking God. And there can be no revival, true revival, without God being a part of it. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 2. I'm almost done. I'm not going to be before you long, saints. You hear my voice cracking already. But we know the Holy Ghost can turn that voice around. (coughs) It's all right to laugh in church. Revelation chapter 2. Starting at verse 1, verses 1 through 5. This is to... The church at Ephesus, Jesus is writing these letters to the seven churches. He writes this this letter to the church of Ephesus, which is known as the loveless church, the loveless church. The angel, the messenger of the assembly, the church in Ephesus writes, these are the words of him who holds the seven stars, which are the messengers of the seven church in his right hand, (coughs) who goes about among the seven golden lampstands, which are the seven churches. 
I know your industry and your, and your activities, your labors, toils, and troubles, and your patience and patient endurance, and how you cannot tolerate wicked men and have tested and criti- critically appraised those who call themselves apostles, special, special messengers of Christ, and yet are not, and have found them to be impostors and liars. I know that you are enduring patiently and are bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not fainted or been exalted or grown weary, but I have this one charge to make against you, that you have left, abandoned the love that you had at first. You have deserted me, your first love. Remember then from the heights you have fallen, repent and change the inner man to meet God's will and do the works you did previously when you first knew the Lord. Or else I will visit you and remove your lampstand from this place unless you change your mind and repent. Jesus is trying to get them to understand. He said, listen, I appreciate I thank you. In, in several books earlier, Paul thanked them uh, for, 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 for their diligence and being faithful. And now God, Jesus is thanking them and saying, listen, I appreciate you being faithful in the midst of wicked men being busy and doing all types of stuff. I appreciate you being supportive of the church. I appreciate you being active in the church. I appreciate you for all that you have done. But the one thing that I have against you, I'm glad you're faithful to the church work, but the one thing I have against you, I'm glad you sing in the choir, but the one thing that I have against you, I'm glad you serve on the deacon board, but the one thing I have against you, I'm glad you're called to the ministry, but the one thing I have against you is that you have turned away from your first love. You have deserted me, and if you don't repent and get stuff right, I'm going to move the church away. I have the power and the authority to be able to do that. Listen, saints of God, we must have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You can be doing all types of stuff in church. You can be singing in the choir. You can be serving on the usher board. But if God, if Jesus is not the center in your life, your worship and your service is heartless and loveless. If he is not a part of what you're doing, then you shouldn't be doing it. If he's not the reason for your singing, if he's not the reason for your preaching, if he's not the reason for your serving, then you shouldn't be doing it. He said, you've done all these great things, but the one thing I have against you is that you have turned away from your first love. You have deserted me. How many of us have deserted the Lord? He's been there through thick and thin. He's the one that touched your body. He's the one that healed your mind. He's the one that sent that financial breakthrough. He's the one that gave you a breakthrough. He's the one that kept you in perfect peace when everything around you was going in, in circus and going in chaos. He was the one that was there when nobody else was there. But you turned away from me and you deserted me. Everything has precedence over me. Everything is more important than me. Imagine being in a relationship with somebody that they only came and saw you when they wanted something. They came to show face. Listen, I, yeah, I, I go with you to the wedding just to show face. But any other time, I don't even see you. We don't spend no time together. You don't send me a little text message telling me how cute I am and how good I look today. You don't write me letters no more. You don't send me cards, but you want to show face to everybody. But it's all heartless. It means nothing. It means nothing. 
because Jesus isn't the center in your life. Many people, they put relationships before God. They put their kids before God. They put their spouses before God. And anything that sets themselves up in the place of God, God would bring it down. Because the Bible says that he is a jealous God. He is a jealous God. No one can be able to come in and to take his place in their lives. We cannot have heartless service and loveless service unto God and just expect him to, Lord, just take this today, you know. You know, I got a headache, but just take my songs today, Lord. I don't feel like serving today, Lord, but just take this up as a sacrifice. What? Our priorities have to come and line up with God's priorities in your life. Listen, I got a question for you this morning, saints. What's the number one priority in your life? Is it your job? Is it your bank accounts or your retirement fund? Is it your family? Is it the church? Is it your your spouse? Is it your hobby? Or is it the Lord? When anything but God is number one priority in your life, you are out of balance and not a candidate for revival to take place in your life. We have to understand, people of God, that those things are important to God has to be important to us. Those things that matter to God has to matter to us. And listen, if you don't know those things that matter to God, if you don't know those things that matter to the Lord, that, 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 that's important to him, pray and read your word. And God will begin to reveal to you in prayer and through his word the things that are that, 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 that's important to him so that they can translate over into you and be important to you in your life. We have to have a balance. Other stuff cannot come before God. Our jobs cannot come before God. Our bank accounts cannot come before God. Why? He's the one that made the bank. He's the one that gave us the job that we didn't really deserve, but God showed favor on our lives and we got the job. He's the one that makes sure all of our bills and stuff is paid, whether it be a day behind or two, they're paid. It's God that's the one that has been provided, not our job, not our bosses. If we lost our job today, our faith and our trust should be in God so much that God, all right, I know you allowed this to happen. It must be something that you are preparing me for. It must be something that's waiting for me around the corner. It must be something that you're trying to get my attention to so that I can be able to align myself up with your will and with your word, God. So that I can be able to receive everything that you have for me. Our priorities have to become important in our lives. Jesus told the church, he says, listen, if you don't return to me, then I'm going to remove the church. If you don't put me in my rightful place, if you don't repent, if you don't turn away, if you don't turn around to make a change, I will remove it. If you really want to know what your priorities are today, 
Then ask yourself these three questions. On what activity do I spend most of my time? Listen, can I be real with the saints today? Can I be real with the saints this morning? When Facebook first came out, yeah. When Facebook first came out, I was pretty excited about it, Elder Robinson. You know, made contact. You know, Swims is a, you know, not, it's not a normal last name. So you put in that Swims and you meet all these people around the world. They got that same last name. And you're trying to figure out how y'all connected. It's pretty exciting, Elder Robinson. <laughs> so a lot of time that I probably was spending on Facebook, I really could have been spending time in the Word. Oh, when I was started reading and go by and check your mail and you get a message from somebody, yep, Bible time's over. <laughs> and you click on Facebook to see who sent you a message or wrote, or wrote something in your ear or wrote something in the honesty box. You know, when the honesty box came out, everybody's all excited about the honesty box. <laughs> then God allowed me to meet up with this thing called YouTube. Yeah. My goodness. And all I had to put in there was two words, praise, brace. And I sit there. Y'all think I'm joking. I'm so serious. Y'all think I'm playing. You go in there, you put in praise, break. You will see all types of stuff. Folks shouting, jumping in baptism pools, doing all this crazy stuff. Nothing wrong with Facebook. Nothing wrong with YouTube. But if it takes precedence over me spending time with God, then i got to rearrange some stuff so that God can be able to be the center in my life. Our priorities have to line up with the things of God. So the second question, on what do you spend the bulk of your money on? Four letters for you. F-O-O-D. Oh, the saints don't want to be real today. Somebody already got made up in their mind. If that preacher don't hurry up and preach. So I can get out of here and catch the lunch special at Lone Star and, and the lunch special at Golden Corral. Listen, where does most of your money go? And the last thing, what do you focus your thoughts on the most? Where's your mind at most of the time? Where's your mind drifting off to? What valleys are the, your mind going through? What alleys, avenues, boulevards is your mind going through? Look at where you go, what you do, and where you spend your money. And this will let you know, give you a pretty good idea of the priorities in your life. But the question I ask you, of all the things that you have in your life, where does God fit in in the equation? Is he number one? Or if he's, if I get a chance, I get around to it, I'll do it. I'll take care of it. Yeah. You know, I say the Lord's Prayer and I've done my Christian duty for the day. Imagine if God treated us the way that we treat him sometimes. We'd be in trouble. We'd be in trouble if God treated us the way that we treat him sometimes. 
God is trying to prepare his people and get his people in line for what he wants to do on the earth. But we got to get our priorities in check. Listen, just one last scripture and then I'm done. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. He wants to get us into a right relationship. He wants to get us into a place, of, uh, into an intimate relationship with him that we're not only just calling upon his name when we need something, when we need to get delivered, when we need to be healed, but he wants us to call on his name just because we love him. Hebrews chapter 11. Verse 6, it says this. But without faith, it is impossible to please God. For whoever comes near to God must necessarily believe that God exists and that he is a rewarder of those who earnestly and diligently seek him. But without faith, it is impossible to please and be satisfactory to him. For whoever would not, for whoever would come to, come near to God, must necessarily believe that God exists and that He is a reward of those who earnestly and diligently seek Him. Listen, just talking about faith. Listen, that without faith, it is impossible. Without believing in God, it is impossible. It's impossible to please Him. And He says that when you do come. You have to believe and know that you 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 know that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Y'all know I got a crazy imagination, right? Okay, y'all know I got an illustration, right? Okay, come on, Mr. Chase. Preacher 14, come on. <coughs> All right, so you got today, don't get, don't get... <laughs> See, we're going to have to come against that pride spirit because I told him, you know, Lord, so turn around face that way. He's God. Mr. Chase is Chase. <laughs> He's just going to be himself this morning. He's just yourself today. So, the Bible says that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He said, okay, so you have made me a priority in your life. That I'm the first one a part of your life. I'm the first, I'm, a, I, I, I'm number one in your life. And that any and everything that you do, that you're going to have faith in, faith in me and that you're going to know and believe that I am a rewarder of those that diligently seek me. So God is God. Mrs. Chase is seeking after God. So God is gone. Oh, oh God. You seek him, seek him, seek him, seek him, seek him. <laughs> Pray for him. Come on, seek him. And so, he's seeking out the God. Usher, if you can take that rope down so he come down the center. <coughs> he's seeking out the God. Now, we all know having a relationship with God, you know, you experience some obstacles in the road. You experience some stuff that necessarily wasn't part of the plan. You didn't know certain stuff was going to come. You didn't know certain attacks was coming. And stuff was coming to get you off course. But because I love God so much, I'm letting nothing separate me from God. But I'm still seeking him. Keep going. And so stuff is coming. I'm telling you. Stuff is coming. Now you all weighed down, you're burdened down, and just trying to distract you. But he said, listen, ain't nothing going to keep me from God. 
So he's still seeking God. Now I caught a crap in my leg. The devil's a liar. Uh, hold on, Sam. I got to fix this crap. <laughs> oh, Jesus. But he's still seeking him. He's still seeking him. He had all stuff come up against him. Now lost his job, lost his house, lost his home, went through the job stuff. And everything's trying to keep him from drawing close to God. But he said in his word that if you draw not to me, I'll draw not to you. That if you stick close to me, he told us in his word and he promised us. He said, listen, I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. He said, listen, you're going to have trials. You're going to have tribulations. You're going to have all this stuff. But the promise and the guarantee is that I'm going to be there with you. The storms may come. Rain may come. Hurricanes may come. But I'm going to be there with you every step of the way. So rain is coming. All types of stuff. He loses clothes. He's losing his clothes. He loses clothes. But he's still sick. He's still seeking because he made up in his mind. He said, like Joe, he said, listen, the Lord give it and the Lord take it away. But the name of the Lord shall still be praised. He said, listen, I may not have much. I may have little, but I'm going to praise God. I'm going to seek God. I'm going to crave after God no matter what comes my way. And listen, here's the great part about the saints. He's been faithful and diligent. And God said, here comes the reward. Because you've been faithful in seeking me. So he's seeking out the God. He's the man. But now I represent the reward that's coming. I came to tell somebody today that I'm not seeking God for the reward. I'm not seeking God for the stuff. But I thank God for the stuff that comes along with me seeking out the God. He said, I am a rewarder of those who diligently seek me. Because the one thing y'all could be done now, they're having a good time. <laughs> the one thing that we have to realize, saints of God, is that whenever, you know, you get some folks that instantly take them out. They want to go, they want, and they said, listen, they said, this is my day to shine today. I want to be seen. That old prideful spirit. <laughs> and so, God is trying to get us to understand that if we seek and crave him, the stuff is going to come, Elder Robinson. But I'm not seeking him for the stuff, but I'm seeking him for him. I'm not hungry after the stuff. I'm not hungry after the carbs, the money, and all the other stuff. But I'm seeking him for who he is is. And because I'm diligent, because I'm earnestly, because I believe who he is, because I know who he is and I'm seeking after him, the stuff is going to come without me even asking. God is looking for people who will thirst and hunger after him. Don't hunger after no man. Don't hug after no man. You know, all the stuff going around and in church and stuff too. Don't hug after no preacher either. Because can't no preacher put you in hell, in heaven, can't put you nowhere because they're human as well. But God is looking for people who will hunger and thirst after him. He wants somebody who will seek his face. That no matter what may happen, no matter what may come up, you made up in your mind, God, I'm not letting go. 
Because whenever there's a great move of God, there's going to be stuff that's going to come. Whenever there's a great move of God, there's going to be stuff that's going to come to try to come and deter you and to distract you and get you off course. But you must have the mindset that I'm seeking him. I'm going after God. I'm chasing after him. Because I want him to be first in my life. Is he first in your life? Is he the main attraction in your life? Does he have center stage in your life? Or is he just a background singer? Is he just the second fiddle, second in command? We just use him when necessary. God wants to bring you into full alignment with his word and with his will for your life. There are some things that God wants to do in your life. There are some things that God wants to tell you. There are some things that God wants to show you. But I got to position myself. I got to humble myself. I got to come against pride and arrogance. I got I to I gotta pray to God. I got to seek his face like never before. So much going on, saints of God. We got to seek God's face. Living in times of uncertainty, we got to seek his face. But we just don't seek his face when stuff is going wrong. But we seek his face at all times. If there's anybody in this room on today that God is not the center of your life. I invite you to meet me at this altar. And you say, well, brother preacher, listen, I've gotten off track. I've gotten off track on some things. And I want to put him back in his rightful place. Other stuff has taken precedence over here in relationships, jobs, trying to get money and all this other stuff, trying to provide and take care of everything that I need to take care of. I know I know I have a difference in it's a difference in, our, in my relationship with them now. And if you're in this room on today and that speaks to you, I just want you to meet me at the altar on today. And you said, I need to put him back in his rightful place. I need to put him back in his rightful place in my life. Because there's some things, there's some things he wants to tell me, there's some things he wants to show me, there's some things that he wants to do in my life, but I have to align myself and get myself in the right position. Because God has to be first. Then all the other stuff can follow, but God has to be first. God has to be the center. And I can't go around doing church work, doing all types of stuff, involved in this and involved in that, because if God is not first in my life, it's just heartless service that I'm performing. I'm just doing spiritual exercise, and it really doesn't mean anything, because God's not in it. Those of the altar, I just want you to lift your hands up before the Lord. And those that's in the altar, just come and point your hands in that direction.
Father God, in the name of Jesus, I lift up those, oh God, that's here at this altar, Lord God, and those that I pray, Father God, in the name of Jesus, oh God, that right now, God, Lord God, that you will shine a spiritual light, Lord God, in their lives and let them know how to bring stuff into full alignment, how to bring things, Lord God, into perspective, oh God, how to prioritize stuff, oh God, and how to discard some stuff, Lord. How to let go of some things, how to let go of some people, oh God, that's blocking them, oh God, from getting closer to you and coming into right relationship, oh God. Lord God, I pray that you deliver them from themselves, Lord. Deliver them from them, oh God. That they can be able, Lord God, to do what thus says the Lord, Father God. I pray, Lord God, that you would give them a hunger and a thirst for you like no other, Father God. That they will wake up early in the morning and seek you, Father God. They will meet you late at night to seek your face, oh God. Not just to gain stuff, oh God, but we thank you that we have the opportunity to come to you, Lord God. To gain wisdom, to gain knowledge, oh God. That you will meet our needs, Father God. But we just we just don't want to come just to get the stuff, Father God. But we're coming craving more after you, Lord. More of your purpose, more of your way, Father God. More of your patience, more of your love, Father God. More of you in our lives, Lord, before we get the stuff. Help them, oh God, to make you the center of their lives, Lord. Help them to seek you like never before, Father God. Help them, Lord God, to let nothing block them, let nothing stop them, oh God, from seeking your face, oh Lord. And we celebrate, Father God, for what you're about to do in their lives. We celebrate, Lord, for what you're going to do in their lives, oh God. And I bind everything, every person that will try to block them, oh God, getting close to you, Lord. But I pray that they will have the tenacity, Father God, to keep going no matter what, to keep moving no matter what. No matter if a bump comes up in the road, they keep going, Lord. And they won't stop until they get you, Lord. They won't stop until they get you, Lord. And we ask all these things in your name. And all of God's people said, amen. Come on, put those hands together and rejoice. Hallelujah. And there may be someone here on today that you may have never asked the Lord Jesus Christ into your heart, into your life. We invite you to come to know him today. If you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, we invite you to come to know